Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is a podcast from Minute Media. This is Stacking the Box with NFL insider Matt Berteram and Mark Carmen. Good morning, team. Tom Brady retiring. Matt Berteram, yes, he's down in Mobile, Alabama working, but mysteriously also not here after the Chiefs' all-time choke job. Eddie E. and Matt Verderam fan page and everybody else jumping in here. Our, I know our Chiefs fandom is strong. Uh, we feel your pain a little bit this morning. Uh, Josh Hill is with us for Verderam today. He was also the editor and superstar at Fansided and NFL's um, Mr. Tom Brady. So we'll start with Brady today. We'll get to the Chiefs. I was hoping he would still keep playing. The dude is going to finish second in the MVP votes, he absolutely showed that he can still play the game. He wanted to play until he was 45. Ben Heisler, managing editor, bet sided here too. Uh, but Hill, let's start with you here. Why, why is Brady calling it quits when he can when he can still do it? And 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 uh, yes, he you're a huge Bucks fan. He won you a Super Bowl, so I'm sure you're you'll forever be thankful for for TB12. I mean, yeah, I'll always be thankful for him. But also, what else does he have to prove? Like, even last year after he won the Super Bowl, what else does he have to prove? Kevin Clark from The Ringer had a really good tweet where it's like, Tom Brady is the only player in NFL history to retire at his prime and also be the oldest guy in the league. And that's true. And that's why not walk away after the season that he just had. He led statistical categories at 44 years old. I can't imagine being that productive at 44 i'm 29 and i'm barely that productive he's leading the nfl in categories like he's passing stats you go also i thought when the the bucks were getting blown out by the rams in the divisional round i was like this is the perfect recipe for Brady to come back he doesn't want to go out like this but when he brought them back he brought them back from a 27 to 3 deficit and he wasn't the reason that they lost he wasn't on that zero blitz it wasn't his fault that they blew the coverage that's when I was like, this is probably it. Because if, aside from winning a Super Bowl, flexing in a way that Tom Brady can only flex one last time, that's a pretty good secondary way to go out if, if you're him. So why not? He's got nothing left to prove. But yeah, I, Listen, his legacy is intact. If he comes back and through 15 touchdown passes and 30 interceptions – Nobody would take it away from him. Nobody, t- you know, no, no one's going to say that Muhammad Ali wasn't Muhammad Ali the way his career ended and or Jordan and or whoever underrated career at the end with the Wizards. Let me get that on the record here. Very important that I mentioned that. But look, this is what he loves to do. I don't, I, I'm still confused by it. Like you said, you wanted to play to 45. It's one year away. I'm repeating myself, but Ben, you got, do you under, do you have an understanding of what's going on here? My understanding is the same understanding as everybody. Like to me, this feels like there were some more circumstances at play. I I, kind of get the feeling that his family is ready for Tom Brady to be a family man based off of If I have to judge it off of what he said and not from other reports, if I can only take Tom Brady at his word, which again is going to be in a limited fashion. Uh, these these are the words. This is difficult for me to retire, but here it goes. I am not going to make that competitive commitment anymore. I have loved my NFL career, and now it is time to focus my time and energy on other things that require my attention. I, I think there's some elements here. Remember, he, he talked about it with uh, on his show with Jim Gray, too, about how 
there's times where he feels like he's missed out on a lot of family obligations and his wife Giselle cringes every time he gets hit and it's not like he's escaping from a whole lot of pressure anymore. He's just getting the ball out quick. So I think he kind of knew that this was it, signed a two-year contract with Tampa in the first place, knew that there was an opportunity. He got that Super Bowl in year one. And I, I think to Josh's point, and maybe Carmen, you, you touched on it as well, he kind of left everything out on the field in coming back and repeating the narrative yet again. There is nothing for him left to prove. He's done it all. And there's something to be said about going out on top. Think about John Elway's legacy. Like, yes, Brady could come back the following year, throw 15 touchdowns and 30 picks. It, it wouldn't happen. But in the event that it did, it would change how we remember Brady to a certain extent, right? Like Tom Brady's yeah. not even thanking the Patriots in his in his retirement <laughs> Instagram post. Like there's different things that can change along the way. He wants to be remembered at the top of his game, and this is when he decided to go out. I, I think it's very noble, actually. So so that's an interesting thing because that's getting a whole lot of shade. He didn't thank the Patriots, and then, and then the Patriots say, hey, no, 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 no. When he left for Tampa, he thanked them. It's got nothing to do with New England. He's not mad at, at uh, Bob Kraft or uh, Patriot fans or whatever. Great mug by Hill right there on the mark. Love it. You can get that at the fan site at Swag uh, Community. Good, good purchase. I I think that it would have been sweeter if I was a Patriots fan if he never went to Tampa and won a Super Bowl. That's how I would look at it if I was a New England fan. Well, Carmen, yeah, you just you, you just mentioned that that you'll still remember Michael Jordan going to the Wizards. So, <laughs> yes. like, you you can't have it both ways. They're they're two goats at the top of their status and at the top of their leagues that went on to accomplish something else. Now, the difference is that Jordan never won a championship in Washington. Brady did in his first year in Tampa Bay. I, I I wish that Jordan had never played for the damn ass Wizards. Like I'm like I'm I'm saying as a, I'm a, as a Patriots fan, the last thing I want to see is him leave and then go win a Super Bowl. That sucked if I was a Patriot fan. I mean, I guess I'd be happy for Tom. I was rooting for Jordan with the Wizards to beat the Bulls. I would have been rooting for Brady as a Buck over Belichick because player over coach all day for me. But look, I do wonder here. Let me just throw this question out at you. If Brady plays not with New England, does he? How many Super Bowls does he win? Because like to me, it's like it's everyone the goat, the goat, the goat, the goat, the goat. There ha and and I, I'm also I've got two sides of my mouth on this one too. Like I give him the most credit for their Super Bowls, but I do also wonder if he had been say a Chicago Bear, how many. Super Bowls would the guy have won? Would he be the consensus GOAT? Because there's a lot of great players that have played quarterback in this league, and, and I think everybody would agree that Tom's not the anywhere close to the most talented of them. Not the best thrower, not, not the best on the move, but just the most clutch and maybe, and maybe the hardest worker. I think without a doubt the hardest worker. That guy never did anything off the field other than try to be great at football. But uh, there – I don't know. The, the gold conversation with him being like that it's absolutely him is a little bit too much for me. I don't know. Because look, he did to Ben's point, he did it twice. He did it in New England with Belichick. And you could argue that was the system. He was there. But he also did it in Tampa, where the Belichick Patriot way didn't exist. He did it with an entirely different philosophical approach from a head coach. There, you can't get more different than Bruce Arians and Bill Belichick when you're talking about head coaching philosophy. And Brady won with both of them. But it's, it's kind of a, a, a dumb argument to say, oh, if he would have played somewhere else, would he be the GOAT? It's so circumstantial. It's the same argument. Every single time people talk about how the Timberwolves didn't draft Steph Curry, Steph Curry doesn't become the Steph Curry that we know today if he's playing with the Timberwolves because he's not in Golden State. He doesn't have Klay Thompson with him or Draymond Green or Steve Kerr. It's the same thing here. You know, look at Justin Fields in Chicago with the Mac Jones conversation all season long. Oh, he's the best rookie quarterback. How did everybody pass on him? What a whiff by the Bears and the 49ers and everybody. But if you put Justin Fields in New England and you put Mac Jones in Chicago, the conversations flip. So a lot of it is circumstantial. I don't think that you can take a lot away from Brady and say, oh, it was just because he was lucky enough to be in New England. Look at, look at Jordan. What if he's not in Chicago? What if he doesn't have Pippen? What if he doesn't have Phil Jackson? You can make that argument for just about anybody that's in the GOAT conversation. That's a really good point. That's a really good point by you, Josh, because there's so many different factors in play. 
And everything is about circumstance and everything is about being in the right situation. Uh, How many quarterbacks have we talked about in recent history that got to the right team at the right opportunity? Like does, does Joe Burrow, if he goes to the chargers, are we talking about the chargers in this whole new light relative to what we're talking about? The Bengals. I, so much of this is about right time, right place, right opportunity to grow. Aaron Rodgers had multiple years to sit behind Brett Favre and, and get mad that he wasn't playing, and, and Favre was able to then go extend his career elsewhere. So much of this is about the, the ideal time and place and scenario that I, 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 can't, I can't factor a scenario in which Tom Brady isn't the GOAT at, on another team because I think we've already seen it in multiple situations. Now he's had more talent. I think you would say um, on the Tampa Bay roster last year, than maybe his final two or three Super Bowls in new England. I I think that's, I think that's indisputable at this point, but you could also make a fairly substantial argument that some of the talent he had in new England was amongst the best in the league, if not the best. So he's been graced with plenty of opportunity and talent around him to win, but then other times absolutely he's put the team on his back and did it himself. So if, if I have to throw out an, an arbitrary number for you, Karma, I guess I'll say he's, he would have won five, would have beaten Montana <laughs> by one. Give him five Super Bowls for, for Brady as opposed to seven. Best, best quarterback you've ever seen throwing the football. Pure throwing the football. Who would he say? I'd go Mahomes. I've I've seen him in person. I'm in Kansas City. There's absolutely nothing that that dude can't do with the football. And it would probably be Rodgers right after him. Okay. Okay. I I just – it's just interesting to me when you when you do the goat conversation and no one's having this argument. I get it, but he, he he's not going to and and Patrick. By the way, we can talk Chiefs in a second here because it was just epic. But but before we move along, uh, uh, who's playing quarterback for the Bucks next year? Hill, you 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 put it out there on you did some speculation. I I saw you tie the great Andy Dalton to Tampa, which I'm sure is going to get Bucks fans super excited right now. Yeah. As a Bucks fan, I think one of the three of us could probably play quarterback next year. <laughs> you know, just about the same chance. Look, in the immediate aftermath of Brady's retirement, you're going to have conversations about, are they going to trade for Aaron Rodgers? Are they going to trade for Russell Wilson? Look, the best path forward for Tampa Bay is to just see what you have in Kyle Trask and then reset in 2023. When the Seahawks brought back Pete Carroll, that was an indication they're probably not going to trade Russell Wilson this year. The Packers, they're not going to trade Aaron Rodgers to an NFC team. The, and then the free agency thing, Andy Dalton, Teddy Bridgewater, Cam Newton. Like we're not talking about guys that are going to come in and immediately replace Brady to where you're like, oh, the Bucs are a Super Bowl contender. This happened after the Bucs won the Super Bowl in 2002, and John Gruden just swapped out you know, old white quarterback X for one another over and over and over again, whether it was Jeff Garcia or Brian Greasy or Jake Plummer, who quit football rather than come and play for the Buccaneers after the Broncos traded him there. And it was like, this is the missing piece. We just need one guy to take us there. And they didn't rebuild. They didn't find that franchise quarterback. And look at the teams this year in the playoffs who were the most exciting and had the most success. The Bills, the Chiefs, the Bengals who are in the Super Bowl right now, they all have quarterbacks that they went out and they drafted and they look towards the future, and they didn't try to do what the Minnesota Vikings have been doing for the last 20 years, or at least as long as I've been alive, which is find a Band-Aid veteran and hope that everything goes well. You can't do that. You have to just see what you have in Kyle Trask and then see where the chips fall in 2023, because if Kyle Trask isn't good, you'll have a high draft pick in a uh, quarterback class that is a lot better than it's, I mean, the consensus seems to be, it's going to be a lot better than the one that's coming out this year. All right, so so Josh, you brought up some really interesting names, and I think the Trask aspect is is sort of a wild card here because it was what a second round pick yep. from from a season ago. Okay, so that's fairly substantial draft capital that yeah. you used on this guy who put up really solid numbers in Florida, had an opportunity to learn behind Tom Brady for an entire season. Bling Gabbert's also hanging around there as well, but you can't imagine a scenario if you're going to be competitive where you go ahead and let him start. What about Jimmy Garoppolo? They're clearly going to be in demand to try to move him. Um, you've already seen what his ceiling theoretically looks like with that team. But now all of a sudden you give him Mike Evans, possibly Chris Godwin, if he returns, um, we'll see what happens as far as the rest of sort of how they, they play out in their receiver group, but it's still a very dominant defense, still an excellent offensive line. 
there's still plenty of weapons for him to work with. They have a good running game as well. And you have somebody that's kind of familiar with the offense that they're running because he did the same offense under Brady when he was in New England as well. So I think Garoppolo actually makes a lot of sense in Tampa Bay. And we also wrote about that over at BetSided as well. Donovan Smoot set odds on the types of possible quarterbacks that you could see in Tampa Bay next year. But I would not rule out somebody like Jimmy G coming into a situation, assuming the Bucs are ready to continue to win now. And I also wonder, with no Tom Brady, is that going to be an indication that Bruce Arians wants to continue to coach there? Maybe it's an opportunity where he hangs it up, considers giving the opportunity now to Todd Bowles because he's still left, Byron left, which most likely going to get a head coaching job. I would assume in Jacksonville, but I think Jimmy G to, to the Bucks does make a lot of sense in a trade deal. I don't think the 49ers will be worried about moving him within the, or not within the division, but in the conference. Yeah. And Jimmy G is actually really interesting. I, uh, it's, well, it's a little reductive because I'm still in my emotions about Brady retiring and the Buccaneers once again, falling back into the black hole that I watched them squander in for the last, basically my entire adult life. Um, I, I equated Jimmy G to sexy Kirk Cousins because he doesn't bring a lot to the table. But <laughs> Ben, you brought up a good point because look, we we the the reason people are going to kind of dog the idea of of Jimmy G going anywhere in the NFL is what we saw from him in San Francisco, specifically the burned in image of that last play of the NFC Championship game is going to do a lot of disservice to the the Jimmy G discourse. Um, but look. We saw what he can do in Kyle Shanahan's office and Mike McDaniel. Maybe that wasn't the scheme fit for him. Maybe that wasn't the right place for him. Put him in a place where, like you're saying, he does have Mike Evans and probably Chris Godwin if they bring him back. And a different offensive look with, you know, if Byron Leftwich stays or if Bruce Arians stays and it's like, okay, I want to see what I can do here. Um, But yeah, to the point about the head coaching thing too, I always saw this as Arians wants to hand this down to one of his guys, whether it's Leftwich or it's Bowles. And either of those guys seem like they're already know that culture that has been there, that Super Bowl winning culture. So it makes sense to kind of hand the baton off to one guy to the other. But yeah, Jimmy G is the most intriguing quarterback option. The flip side of that coin is Jimmy G is the most exciting quarterback option for the Buccaneers. And how exciting really is that when we've kind of already seen that ceiling in San Francisco? Not that exciting, but I love your sexy Kirk Cousins thing. That's that's fantastic. Jimmy G does. Uh, it could well. be Kirk Cousins, too. That's the. That's Vikings fans in my life getting the last laugh on me is if Kirk Cousins somehow comes to Tampa Bay. And then I have to live with that. <laughs> for, for those who don't know, Josh grew up in Minnesota, should have been a Vikings fan, but somehow wasn't, became a Bucks fan, and now is uh, getting the Vikings, his, 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 his core people coming after him. Hey, Gonzo the Beast, you make a great point. Seems we love talking about quarterbacks versus quarterbacks. Who did Brady have to face in the division for 20 years? Not discrediting him, but who did he face? That's a, I, I love that angle. And we're we're talking to Mark Sanchez tomorrow. Reminder: Mark Sanchez beat the Bucks in the uh, beat to the Bucks beat the Packs in the playoffs back in the day. It's true. Uh, you know the AFC East was weak uh, for for many 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 years that he was there. Again, not trying to discredit him, but I think that's a that's a that's a very very fair point. Uh, let's let's switch out to the AFC West where Josh McDaniels has landed. Uh, you know, every a lot of people thought he was going to wait around in New England until Belichick retired. Didn't do that. Of course, everybody remembers his original tenure with the Broncos in the AFC West when he went 11-17 and 17 and left in disgrace. And then we also remember when he said yes to the Colts and then said no. So here he is going to Las Vegas, and he loves the Davis family now, and Derek Carr's in his final season. Good move by the Raiders. Good move by McDaniels. Do we like this fit? Either one of you go ahead here. I, I, I think – I sort of I, – I, Jim Harbaugh to me was a perfect fit for the Raiders because I don't like him, and it's the Raiders and Silver and Black. That just kind of added up to me. But McDaniels has never been my favorite either. Like I, like I like the Raiders to be mean and unlikable, and McDaniels has a lot of that for me. So, uh, And aside from all that part, look, he, I, I would think that if you're a Raiders fan right now, you're feeling very excited about where this offense can go and maybe you can get Derek Carr to the next level. I'll let Ben take it. Ben's, Ben's closer to this than I am with the, uh, the Chiefs fandom. Yeah, I, I suppose a, a handful of miles closer from, uh, from Chicago than, uh, than here in <laughs> Kansas City. I, I, I like it because I, I, if I'm basing it off of the different coach candidates that I would have wanted as a Bears fan in Chicago, uh, it would have been hard for me to if, – if they would have hired Josh McDaniels to go and work with Justin Fields – 
my first response would have been like, this is a, it's a great move. Like this is somebody that has clearly been great over his career in working and developing quarterbacks. And so you can make an argument that Derek Carr has passed the point of development in his career. He's been a seasoned NFL veteran for a long time, but it gives them a couple of different options. They can go into Derek Carr's final year and make an actual clean slate evaluation as to whether or not it's been the scheme that's been impacting him or whether it's Derek Carr that just isn't the guy to take them to that next step. Like a good, serviceable quarterback, but you need great to win in the NFL, and Derek Carr isn't great. That's the type of decision that I think Josh McDaniels can accurately evaluate as a head coach in this league because he's had plenty of opportunities to be able to go out and do that. So I I think it's a good move for the Raiders. I don't think it's going to make them necessarily competitive with Kansas city right away. And now you have to deal with Justin Herbert for the next handful of years with the chargers as well, but the chargers can be their own worst enemy at times as well. And if Denver gets a quarterback, man, like that's a really talented roster. That was that one piece away over the last couple of years. There's some real legitimate talent on Denver. So it's going to be a challenge for McDaniels, but I think it's a good coaching hire considering the bulk of the coaches coming in this year uh, have been guys that were either considered as retreads, uh, the Dan Quinns and, um, oh, oh my goodness, uh, the Jim Caldwells, mm. the guys that had done it before. Uh, and you can make an argument that, that Caldwell shouldn't be considered a retread because he's he'd had a fairly successful and a solid NFL coaching career. Quinn uh, went from very good to to not so good. But I, I think given the circumstances, McDaniels to that team win that division, I'm not sure you could have made a better hire for this particular coach in Carousel. I mean, the Raiders players were saying, keep Rich Bisaccia, keep him. Derek Carr wanted him back. What he earned it. Say? Did he not earn a chance to do it? I, listen, I don't think it's a bad hire, but that, that um, I don't know, that just sucks. I, I don't know why I feel like I'm Rich Bisaccia, but I feel like I'm him right now. That That is a... You you did everything you possibly could. You got him into the playoffs. You got you had endorsements from your guys, and now you're bringing in a dude who's at least at times has been fairly controversial. Yeah. Well, look, like Ben's saying, this is all about the quarterback because we just had this whole conversation about Tom Brady. Why did we talk about him? Because he made the Patriots consistently in that Super Bowl conversation, and we just talked about the, the playoff quarterbacks that we have. Derek Carr being among one of the playoff quarterbacks this year. So if you can find a guy who can unlock what we saw from Carr. Remember a couple of years ago when he was going to be like the MVP, we had a lot of talk here and then he broke his ankle and the, the Raiders kind of fell off in the, in the playoffs. If we can tap, if Josh Mr. Daniels can tap back into that and we can see that as football fans, once again, that is a really, really good thing for Raiders fans to watch. And Josh McDaniel seems like the best guy on the market to do that. You weren't going to go with a defensive-minded head coach like Eberflus or Brian Flores or any of these other guys. McDaniels, who also, just like Derek Carr and the Raiders' kind of mantra heading into this new era, is also looking for redemption and also looking to kind of stick it to everybody who for all of these years has kind of dogged him, you know, for right reasons too. Like you don't burn the Colts and then all of a sudden get back in everybody's good graces. But the way things ended in Denver, that is how his coaching legacy is being defined right now. He went to Denver, he screwed it up royally, and now he has a chance to redeem himself. And that seems like where Derek Carr has been almost his whole career. It seems like Derek Carr is, was drafted into a redemption narrative. And here we are. He's, he's now paired up with, with, uh, with Josh McDaniels. And look, if it works, it works. Everybody's a success. If not, McDaniels can then go out and get his guy, and he can say, I did what I could with the Raiders here. But I, I'm with Ben. I like the hire. Also, considering what other candidates were out there, the Raiders did, did the best that they could with this. So, all right, let's stay in the division and move to the Chiefs. And uh, first off, I want to throw this out to everybody, Gonzo, Eddie, Clint, uh, as we see, Matt Verderem is not here today. He is at the Senior Bowl. He's covering all week long. Would Verderem be on the show if the Chiefs hadn't choked away an all-time horrendous loss in the AFC Championship game? Verderem's going to hate that question, but he's not here, so I'm asking him. <laughs> Would he be here? At the Senior Bowl. He's in hiding. <laughs> he, I, I, the Senior Bowl is a cover. It, 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 his his Verderam hiding. Let us suffer in peace from Lucas. That's That's very that's – a, that's a fair take. But, hey, look – uh, I I have no idea what happened, Ben. I thought you had a pretty good take on that. The Chiefs just did not make any adjustments here. But you know, the Bengals were like, "Go ahead and run the ball." You, we're not gonna, we're not gonna even consider that you're gonna do that. And 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 the Chiefs 
and Andy Reid's had these moments in the playoffs before, just just did not take what was being given to them and somehow, some way, maybe they were a little cocky. Everybody looks at the end of the first half like they were way too cavalier, should have put points on the board, certainly should have thrown a, a pass out in the flat to Tyreek Hill and then be you know calling for a timeout that clearly you had no chance that was going to happen if he didn't get in. Uh, but, I mean, how do we size up this loss? Because it, it is – I mean, I had the season was – over and done with after they lost to the Bills. And Verderam actually did a great job last week outlining these huge games afterwards. The team that wins them, a lot of times they lose. And uh, this was obviously one of the more bitter pills that you could ever swallow as a Chiefs fan. Yeah, I, I put together over on Bet and Breakfast over uh, Betside It's podcast some notes about this game relative to some of the historical Kansas City Chiefs chokes under Andy Reid and for as dominant as he has been think about all the division wins thinks about the Super Bowl four consecutive AFC championship games at home there have been some pretty epic choke jobs along the way so Pat Mahomes 39 and 2 when leading by 14 plus points in his career is now 0 and 2 against Joe Burrow in his career pretty remarkable the 18 point lead the Chiefs blew is the largest in championship game history Number two. Number three, the Chiefs have blown three playoff games since Andy Reid came in of 18 points or more, two of which came at home. I I mean, factor all of this into you have Mahomes versus Burrow in the postseason, and Mahomes has put up way more dominant stats. He has more passing yards. He has six more touchdowns compared to Burrow's two. Mahomes is eight. Each have one interception. Mahomes has a passer rating of 131.7. Burrow just over 100, and yet they found the way to win. What I find so remarkable about this is that you had a sample against this same team where you blew a two touchdown lead in the second half, no more than a month ago. And yet this continued. So I don't know whether it was an issue of the chiefs, just not keeping their foot on the gas pedal. I don't know if there was an arrogance of not choosing to run the ball, whether there was too much trust in Pat Mahomes, which again, it's your star quarterback. It's a super bowl winner. It's a league MVP. It's somebody that maybe other than, than Brady right now, you still say is at the top of the world in the NFL. Like it's hard for me as a, if I was playing the role of head coach to say, I'm not going to trust my quarterback here. It's damned. If you do damned, if you don't, but it ranks up there for sure, considering the lead, considering the quarterback. You know, because remember that that blown lead against the Colts in the wild card game. I think they were up maybe 27 in that game, and they ended up blowing it. Alex Smith got hurt in that game, and it's Alex Smith. So Mahomes was healthy. He was there. He was acting like his offensive line hadn't been improved from the season before. I think this ranks at the top. Of, of Kansas City Chiefs choke jobs in the postseason purely because of the lead you had. You scored on your first three possessions. You were in a dominant spot, and then one play completely changed the momentum, and you couldn't find a way to get it back. Yeah, this is this is what if for all – you go back to the Texans game, to some of these other games that the Chiefs were on the other side of this, but they were the ones that were in the hole and dug themselves out of. Now this is the very definition of the shoe being on the other foot. It was the Chiefs who were in the dominant position. They were going to win this game, same as we've always seen it. And then what they've done to other teams happened to them, which, to Ben's point, this makes this absolutely spectacular as far as meltdowns are concerned. It's almost unbelievable that it happened because, like he's saying, Patrick Mahomes is healthy. They don't have the same kind of crutch to lean on that they did in the Super Bowl where it's like, oh, the offensive line isn't healthy. There was, you know, Patrick Mahomes' toe was a problem. Everything was going right. And, you know, Verderam's point about teams kind of having that hangover from the big games that they just played, the Chiefs are the type of team that should be riding that momentum because they do have the team or the league's best quarterback and arguably the team or the league's most creative offensive mind. And they also have some of the league's most powerful offensive weapons. They should not have lost this game. This should not have been a game that they blew the lead. It should have been cut and dry at halftime. And then you just keep your foot on the gas in the second half. And I don't know what happened. But right now, in the wake of it, you just have to appreciate how absolutely unbelievable this is. I don't know if we want to say this is like a David versus Goliath, because that's kind of selling Joe Burrow and the Bengals short. But it definitely feels like an absolute plot twist that we were not expecting. And it's still hard to believe 48 hours later. 
I want to get to Burrow in one second, but let me just outline this, and this is going to be unfair, but I'm going to do it. The question being, at this point in Patrick Mahomes' career with the Chiefs, considering you have him, not on him, but considering you have him, have the Chiefs underachieved? You go back, they lose in 18 in the conference championship game, didn't get the ball in overtime, Patriots beat them. You win the Super Bowl. Phenomenal. Okay. You're a Super Bowl champion in your third season. And by the way, if Jimmy Garoppolo completes a pass that he should have completed, you might have lost that game. But you didn't. You got the Super Bowl. Next year, you lose to old man Brady, and the offensive line completely falls apart. And then 21, you got the Bengals at home. You're you're crushing them. You're up 21 to damn three, and you lose the football game. So, have I mean, is it? I think it's a legit. Have they underachieved with the amount of talent they have? One Super Bowl in four years, that feels light to me. And, and that's totally, it feels unfair to say that they're in the conversation, they're in the games, they're right there. They're, they're in general, the gold standard in the NFL right now, but you've got one. I mean, that's got to feel, I mean, I, I don't, you're not Aaron Rodgers, Brett Favre two Super Bowls in 30 years yet, but it feels, it feels light. I, I don't know if it's necessarily that they've underachieved. Certainly it's disappointing given how close they've been, but if we go through those actual games again, I think we talk about the circumstances involved, right? You brought it up, Carm. Mahomes and that Chiefs defense in 2018-2019 in they didn't really have any business being there. I know Mahomes was the MVP, but that defense was a, a bottom five defense. They were atrocious. And then when Brady got the ball in overtime, he never had an opportunity to touch it as well. Hard for me to fault them, given how far they were able to get there. And they scored 24 points in the fourth quarter of that game. To me, I'm, I'm not putting that as a, any sort of a disappointment. They were also at home. So that also makes them a, a little bit more tough to put all together. But I don't consider that to be a disappointment. Then you win the Super Bowl. And then the loss to Tampa Bay wasn't because they got beat by old man Brady. It's because the Bucks defensive line ran right through it. True. Mahomes true. ran for, I, I, I saw this stat from, from NFL Next Gen. He ran for almost 500 yards trying to escape from Vita Vea and Bonte David and Shaq Barrett and everybody else that the Bucs were sending towards him. And, and frankly, they weren't even blitzing all that much either. The Chiefs offensive line wasn't built for it. And so they actually go and they make a difference to fix the offensive line, which they did. So between that and, and Kansas City having a miraculous comeback against Buffalo – I don't think it's necessarily disappointing. I think disappointing would be for them to have a season where they barely make the postseason. They lose in the wild card round. They've gotten to four straight AFC championships. <coughs> Excuse me. Go ahead, Josh. Take it. <laughs> four straight no, AFC. I, I, I agree. Yeah, ahead, I, I agree with Ben. Look, it's, I don't think they did themselves a disservice by storming out of the gate so fast. If this had been a slow burn, where Mahomes is kind of right now starting to come into his own. He's starting to become the Mahomes that we saw basically out of the box. We have a completely different perspective on the Chiefs because you, you rattled it off. Four straight AFC Championships games. They've been to three Super Bowls already. They won one. He's already been the MVP. Like we gave the Chiefs all of their flowers. And, you know, a year, a year or two into Patrick Mahomes' career, we were basically sizing him up for his bust in Kansas where it's that, that we're not even a decade into his career. And that's our comment here where Brady went a decade without winning a, a Super Bowl. You know, th this isn't going to happen every year. I think Chiefs fans and we as NFL fans have been a little spoiled by how good the Chiefs have been so quickly. This was always going to normalize. It was, you know, kind of too hot to handle. It was going to fracture at some point because that's just the nature of the NFL. The big question for me is, what is the evolution of the Chiefs and the evolution of Patrick Mahomes look like? Because as hot as they started, we're still on like level one or two of like maybe a 50 level character here with Patrick Mahomes. There's so much more to unlock. At the same time, the NFL is evolving. You know, uh, when, the, when the Cavaliers won the title, when LeBron comes back to Cleveland, everybody's like, oh, this is it. The Cavaliers are going to have their dynasty. This is awesome. Uh, LeBron is back. And what happened? The Warriors happened. 
And all of a sudden, the LeBron narrative goes off the rails. Look at the NFL right now. I mean, we just saw it. We don't want recency bias, but we just saw it this weekend. Mahomes is supposed to go straight to the Super Bowl. There's no way they're not going to win. Finally, they're going to avenge the loss from last year. Two Super Bowls in three years. This is incredible. And Joe Burrow happened. Also, in the AFC, Josh Allen is happening. Justin Herbert is happening. And the NFL is evolving. How are the Chiefs going to evolve to stay with the times and also stay ahead of the times? Because we've seen Patrick Mahomes can be really, really good. He can also be really, really bad, and teams can take advantage of that. Whenever that happens, you're just kind of like looking like that 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 can't be what's going on with this guy because he's just that good. But the the moments are more than more than you would think where Mahomes looks uh and especially in in the AFC championship game, just just kind of bizarre how like hey, your mojo's gone, dude. I don't know where, where it went, and it's you feel like it could flip at any second, but uh, and and people are making good points here. Look, Brady won a decade without winning, three Super Bowls, thirteen. You know, all, all that's true. I'm not saying that he's not that Patrick Williams is not going to end up with five or more, but um, that just feels like the, the yeah. Go ahead, Ben. The Chiefs not playing in the Super Bowl this year just sucks. If you're a Chiefs I was just fan, gonna, I, I was just going to say very quickly before my my voice just completely disappears on me. I do think you can make the argument that it, it's not necessarily fair to say this is a disappointment for the Kansas City Chiefs, but I do think it's fair for us to begin to shift the narrative of how we view Pat Mahomes relative to Tom Brady last year. And in Carm, we talked about this a little bit on, on the windy city podcast the other day, um, which is interesting because I'm not sure why we were talking about two epic quarterbacks in relation to the Chicago bears, but I digress. <laughs> um, there was an aspect of Mahomes where last year it was billed as goat versus baby goat. Like the NFL was billing it as that. And so now I think you can make an argument that for Mahomes to play as poorly as he did in the second half in that game against the Bengals, for them to only have the one Super Bowl through four years, again, it's not taking away from Mahomes' accomplishments. He's a remarkable young quarterback who's entering his age 27 season next year. You know, like the sky and the limit is very, very high and very, very bright. But I, I do think we now kind of have to pump the brakes a little bit on all of a sudden Mahomes is going to take the goat throne someday somehow from Tom Brady. I, I don't think he's earned it yet. Well, and speaking of guys that are moving up the ladder here, uh, Kansas City's fall is Cincinnati's gain here. And Joe Burrow, I, if look, if the Bengals get it done and beat the Rams, then that game feels like a coin flip to me. I don't know how you guys look at it, but uh, – a Super Bowl in, in year two, coming from where Cincinnati was coming from, add in the fact that he had a borderline, you know, not even borderline, a catastrophic knee injury. Didn't he looked terrible at the beginning of the year? The the, the Bears beat Cincinnati and Burrow. It, it, he didn't look. It's amazing how much healthier he looks, and that the Bengals are here. Like what? How high is up for you know the legacy of Joe Burrow here in in year two? Because uh, I mean, this is—I mean, Cincinnati, who day? They're—they're beside themselves, right? This is unbelievable for for Bengal fans. Yeah, and uh, to Ben's point about uh, Patrick Mahomes, that should be a lesson to us to maybe pump the brakes a little bit on Joe Burrow, because I can see the same storm brewing here, where it's like he's in year two, he's about to win a Super Bowl, and we'll then never do it, Josh. You, you know, you know our role in, in the media. We're never going to pump the brakes. That's on, true. On trying to That's set true. Set these all, massive all expectations. Guys. Yes, no breaks. Because look, the flip side of that coin is Joe Burrow, in what, a span of three years, will have been a Heisman Trophy winner, a national champion, and a Super Bowl winner. That's absolutely unheard of. That You could argue that's as unheard of as some of the stuff that we've seen Mahomes do. While that was on the field, and watching Mahomes do some of the things that he does is just unlike something we've ever seen, national championship, Heisman, Super Bowl. And to do it with the Bengals, too. So Mahomes comes in, he's got Andy Reid. They have a good offense. They have a lot of weapons. This Joe Burrow comes into Cincinnati. They had the number one pick when they got him just a couple of years ago, two years ago. And now they're in the Super Bowl. So I think that the sky is the limit here for Burrow. That's, we're not charting any new territory here. The question here is how good is the AFC going to be as a conference and how much is the powers shifted? Because Rodgers, Russell Wilson, all these guys in the NFC – we're going to have a little bit of a changing in the guard where that guard has changed in the AFC. We've got Mahomes, we've got Burrow, we've got Allen, we've got Herbert. If Mike uh, McDaniels goes to Miami and can fix Tua, we've got Tua. We have Derek Carr still in that conversation. There are so many good quarterbacks in the AFC. It's so saturated with talent. Who's going to stand above? 
Or is it going to be a case where not one person stands above like Brady has for the last 20 years? It's kind of everybody's swapped out every other year. Maybe next year it's Allen's turn, and then Mahomes takes it in two years, and then Burrow comes back. That, to me, is the most exciting part about this is Mahomes, it looked like they were going to dominate for the next decade. Two years later, it's anybody's game in the AFC. And I love that. That's so exciting as a football fan. Does anybody yeah, take – go ahead, Gap. Go ahead, no, I'm, I'm sorry. I'm sorry to cut your outcome. I, I agree. I, I think the the level of quarterback play that you're going to see in the AFC for the next handful of years is incredibly exciting. Just within the division right now of, of Chiefs versus uh, – of uh, Mahomes versus Herbert has already gotten some some massive types of consideration. I, I wrote an article uh, a while ago over at BetSided how I think that can be sort of the – the new variation of Elway versus Montana with Mahomes and Herbert. I, I, just those two going back and forth for a long time, two games a year is going to be really substantial. But now you have Joe Burrow in the mix. Lamar Jackson's still around. He's still an MVP from a couple of years ago. Uh, mm-hmm. Josh Allen, absolutely warranting consideration considering that game that we saw between the Bills and the Chiefs. I, I'm with you. I, I think it's a fascinating opportunity to watch that. And to your point about Burrow too, Carm, Second year, I, I think you've seen quarterbacks get to this point, have MVP seasons. In fact, it's happened you know, a few times in the last few years with Lamar and Pat Mahomes winning an MVP in their second year, but, but not this type of unheralded success in getting to a Super Bowl, especially where those teams were relative. I, I think it's an enormous part of his legacy, getting this team this far. And remember, when Burroughs started the season, there was a bunch of conversation that he wasn't trusting his surgically repaired torn ACL, MCL, PCL, all the different CLs that he had to try and and have confidence in it. And there was some concern. The Bengals preseason projection in Vegas was six and a half wins, six and a half. And, And that would have been, if they would have gone over it by one game, that still would have doubled the amount of wins that Zach Taylor had had in his first two years coaching in the league. It is a remarkable turnaround. And one other point to this, to sort of go in and tie this all together, um, the, the Rams back in 99, the Kurt Warner Rams, were 150 to 1 to win the Super Bowl that year. Remember, he didn't start the season. Now you have a situation where Burroughs started the season in Cincinnati. They opened up at 150 to 1 over at WinBet, now with a chance to win the Super Bowl. The last time the, a team did that was the 99 Rams, and now you have both of these two teams playing together. Pretty cool story. I mean, we spent a lot of time on uh, big man bets talking about who was the best value to uh, to play, and I don't remember anybody saying Cincinnati. I, I don't think I heard that once. So they the Bengals yeah, you're, have... You're, your boy missed one, Carm. Yeah. We, we miss them every so often. <laughs> we, I, yeah. I missed it on the Bengals this year. Yeah, it's okay. You weren't alone, Ben. And uh, Gonzo's asking, Carm, can you honestly see Justin Fields taking the Bears to the Super Bowl in the near future? Speaking of the Burrow rise, uh, yeah, I don't think in year two Justin's going to be playing in the Super Bowl. I, I that, that would be – I mean, that puts in perspective what, this, what Cincinnati's done from a Bears fan standpoint in, incredibly well. That would be the leap of all leaps if, if uh, Chicago is somehow in that conversation and winning games like that next year. And, no, I can't see it uh, at, at all, even with the great Matt Eberflus um, and, and, and Getze in the fold here. But I, right. I, if, if Justin Fields and Matt Eberflus take the Bears to the Super Bowl next year, I, I'm not going to get a tattoo, but I would Sharpie hits – h-i-t-s <laughs> on my forehead and have it on for a week of shows yeah if and justin the, fields go to the super bowl for those who are missing the hits that's the uh the, it's the acronym that matt eberflus lives by uh the bears are going to do you remember the hits again intensity hustle, takeaways intensities hustle intensity takeaway and smarts right right we got them now just just you know, play football and right, be a good coach. Right. right. We're, 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 we're gonna, we're gonna be more dedicated. We're going to be more detailed and we're going to dominate you. The, the, I'm going to the three D's for, for the Eberflus bears. Um, but it's just, hopefully the bears will be successful going forward. Bears fans. I feel you. All right. Uh, speaking of th- that whole thing though, let, let's, let's get Jim Harbaugh in here for a second. It is, Going to Minnesota for another interview. Um, I was told on Sunday that it was a done deal. He's leaving Michigan. He's going to Miami. The Stephen Ross thing, 
Don't worry about that. He called up Ross and said to him, I'm leaving. You don't have to feel bad. I'm going somewhere. I'd like to be with you. And what my source was telling me was that that was going to be the deal. Now, now I'm hearing that it's still going to happen, but the Ross thing is in play. Like he still maybe does not feel comfortable is the, is the read. And so he's, he's Jim is in Minnesota. It seems to me like he's leaving Michigan. The other part of that tweet, by the way, that I put out was that if Michigan comes in over the top, he may stay. Uh, but I said bet on Miami, which I'm not feeling great about right now because I, I am forever out of the breaking news game uh, after this uh, after <laughs> after this experience. But where where should Harbaugh go? If you're Jim Harbaugh and you want out of Michigan, you got Minnesota, you got Miami. Who are you picking? Uh, well, Carm, I I lost a lot of bets this year too. So you and me <laughs> both, we're we're just we're bleeding we're bleeding <laughs> chips over here. Um, I, if I'm if I'm Harbaugh. It's a tough one because you've got the Dolphins who, I mean, we've talked about for years this war chest of assets that they have that they can build a good team with. We haven't seen necessarily the results of that yet. You've got Tua who we – jury's still out with him, might still be a good quarterback, depends on what offensive mind can come in and fix him. But as we've talked about here with Harbaugh, a guy who kind of has a history of coming in and getting all that he can out of every single quarterback that he's worked with, that seems like an appealing thing. Also, I mean, living in Miami versus Minneapolis as a Minnesotan, you know, I don't want to go against my people here, but it doesn't, you know, the winners are a little bit better down in Florida than they are mm-hmm. in Minnesota. But you look at the flip side and the Vikings. So Harbaugh has always been a fan of the history of football. You know, looking at he's just he's been cosplaying as, uh, you know, his old coach there in, in Michigan his entire career there it's since he came over from San Francisco. So to have him come in and kind of take the legacy of Bud Grant and some of these guys that have been really important to the legacy of the Vikings, that seems like it would appeal to him. And it's not really a quantifiable football thing. But you also look at that, the NFC North. So in the AFC East, you've got the, the Patriots and Mac Jones. You've, you're going up against Josh Allen and the Bills. And then who knows what happens with the Jets in the, in the NFC North. I mean, we just talked about it, all due respect, but I don't know what the Bears are going to be in two, three, four years if they're looking for another head coach. Aaron Rodgers isn't going to be around forever and the lions are the lions. So unless they have some massive turnaround in which they have, they've been waiting for, for, you know, over a half a century, you don't really have to worry about them. So from a competition perspective, it feels like the NFC North is the division to go to and the Vikings, you know, new GM, there's a little bit of a connection between those two guys there. Maybe they can start building something, you know, like I was talking about with the bucks at the top, taking a break, building it the right way. And then the NFC North seems like the division where if you do that, you can dominate, you know, take the words out of your guys, uh, new GM uh, polls, you're going to own the North and you're not going to give it back. Or you're going to take back the North, whatever he said, but you know, basically (laughs) the Vikings are going to do that. And I think that that could be attractive to Harbaugh. Whereas the dolphins run the risk of having the narrative be, Oh, Nick Saban tried this and look how that worked out. Harbaugh's going to be looking for another job in a couple of years. So I would go Minnesota over Miami. Um, Sorry, Carm, not to no, go against your report. No, 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 no problem. You, you, okay, so you're you're basically you're saying though, if you pick Minnesota, that no quarterback uh, is better than Tua because of the division, right? Well, I mean, no quarterback you're going up against is going to be better than Josh Allen and Mac Jones, and that's the thing. And then can the Vikings build with that? I think that there's more fertile ground in Minnesota than there is in Miami, just based on the competition. And then look at the conversation we just had about the wealth of quarterback talent in the AFC. You know, you want to play that in the Super Bowl. You don't want to have to go through that to get to the Super Bowl if you're Harbaugh. This whole aspect is fascinating to me because Jim Harbaugh, to your point, Josh, like it would be an easier situation in Minnesota relative to Miami. I suppose that's true. But I don't think that would be the reason for Harbaugh to want to go to Minnesota because it's an easier way. He's somebody that enjoys and embraces challenges, Um, which is still why at the end of it, I I agree with Carm. Like in my head, I've always envisioned that he stays at Michigan, uses this full opportunity for leverage after they lowered his salary last year heading into the season. To me, this just has felt like a huge leverage play 
Mel Tucker just got $95 million to be the head coach at Michigan State. He hasn't accomplished anywhere near what Harbaugh has accomplished, both in college football, in the NFL, in coaching, period. Um, so this has always felt like a leverage play to me. And in the Jim Harbaugh fashion, because he's a little bit odd and quirky and he'll go take you down that road that you may not want to go down, I still feel like he stays at Michigan, which according to, you know, Carm's reporting would still be, you know, intact. Carm's reporting and source would not be incorrect, but it has to come in with at least $10 million a year. And I don't think Michigan wants to, to punt on Harbaugh right now. I think they have to make a commitment and he's taking these interviews seriously until Michigan and that brain trust comes to him with a boatload of money and says, please stay. We want you to do anything. We will do anything to keep you here. And, and that's how yeah. I ultimately see it. And maybe that doesn't answer your question as to what team is best for him, Miami or Minnesota. I don't think it's either. I, I think it's Michigan because I still think he has more that he wants to accomplish there because just getting to the college football playoff doesn't feel like that's enough for him. I, I think he's finally comfortable in a school where he knows how to recruit. He's gotten the, the number one college football um, quarterback to come in to finally build around I just don't envision a scenario in which he leaves Michigan if they don't pay him. And right now they haven't paid him, but I think they will. All right. I've had enough of the Harbaugh thing. <laughs> just, let's, let's get, let's get to the finish line so I can either take my medicine or celebrate. Like I've never celebrated anything outside of six bulls championships. Um, so, all right, Ben, Josh, Super Bowl, Bengals, Rams, Rams are a four-point favorite. We got a ways to go before the game. Ben, managing editor, bet side. What, what are you advising betters to do here in the early going? I, I think if you're leaning towards the Rams, this is probably the opportunistic time to jump on them. I envision a scenario where that number will climb. We've already seen it go to four and a half at a couple other sports books, go right back down to four. We've also seen the total in this game which is currently at 49 um continue to move down at some points it's been at 48 and a half uh open i believe at either 49 and a half or 50 so just sort of context there my early lean is on the rams but i feel more comfortable taking the under i kind of envision this game in a similar fashion to what happened to the chiefs last year by the bucks you have joe burrow who was sacked nine times against tennessee a couple weeks ago they still found a way to win that game. You had Burrow uh, come back from uh, 18 points down in the second half to Kansas City, find a way to win that game. At some point, these wins and that lack of protection from your line is going to dry up, and you know who have you have facing on the other side? Aaron Donald and Von Miller, Jalen Ramsey locking up your best receiver in Jamar Chase. Burrow can only do so much, and his legacy is impressive at this level. But I I think the Rams, it's going to be a defensive battle. Um, with the exception of the game against Tampa Bay, they've done a very good job defensively in the postseason. Uh, and they did a great job against Tampa Bay for about the first three, three and a half quarters of that game anyway. Defensive battle, I think the Bengals are going to have some issues scoring because they're going to get swarmed by that pass rush. So I, I I think to a certain extent, yes, that would allow the Rams to, to win the game fairly comfortably. But I, I see this very much being a defensive game that the Rams really just take it to the Bengals. So I like the under at 49. I think that number is going to continue to fall down. And if you like the Rams side, I would jump on that on the earlier side. My, my early lean here, just for the record, look, Matthew Stafford tried to give the 49ers the game. Josh Hill would have caught that fuck that pass. Excuse me. Thank you very much. Trying to keep it clean here on stacking the box uh, for, no, for no for no real reason. Uh, but yes, family show. So, and and the Bengals are better than the Niners in my mind. So that to me is a little a little bit of a lean towards Cincinnati. Plus, I believe in the clutch factor of Burrow over Stafford as well. There's one thing that's interesting to me. If you look at, at winbet.com, our, our can I, gambling. Can I, can, I, can I stop you for a quick second? Yeah, go ahead. Because that narrative about Stafford, I, I don't think it's fair. Okay. Nobody, has led, nobody has led more comebacks since he came into the league in fourth quarter comebacks than Matthew Stafford. There's also the aspect that, well, he's going to throw away the ball at an inopportune time. 
really hasn't done that in the last several games. He's only thrown one interception in the entire postseason. He had the best numbers this year against the Blitz. And then the 49ers didn't blitz anybody. They blitzed him maybe six times all game. And his numbers without the pressure were terrific. He's found a way to beat you both against the Blitz and without pressure at all. He's taken that step. And you can trust him in the fourth quarter now. I, I think that narrative has to start changing a little bit for Stafford. Go ahead. No, I, I'm willing. I'm willing to to give Stafford all the flowers, as as Hill would put it. But the facts are, and that he did throw what should have been an interception, and the game should have gone to San Francisco. That that did happen. But you're in a, in a more macro way, Ben. You're you're absolutely right, underlining it. And, and and hey, he's got him in the Super Bowl. Congratulations to Matthew Stafford. It's a great story. Uh, and you know. His, if we're going the whole Stafford story, uh, the wife part of it is beautiful. I'm I'm really happy for the guy. Uh, it's it's it's. But when you're just looking at sort of the it factor big game right now, I just there's this there's something about Joe Burrow and everything that happened at LSU and what's happening right now that just it's intriguing to me when you're considering betting the game. Here's another thing too. The Rams, if you look at the individual overs for teams, the Rams are 27 and a half. The Bengals are 22 and a half. So that's five, where the number is four. Ben, you you watch this stuff way more than I watch it. How how do you reconcile four when 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 Vegas is telling you on the number of how many points the Rams are supposed to score and the Bengals are supposed to score? It's five. I, I don't think too much of it. I think because the public is more likely to back these teams <clears throat> on that's the over the anyway. Okay. Yeah, it it just it's just kind of whatever the number is. And remember, um books are less likely to change the team totals as opposed to the overall total as well. And sometimes you can actually take advantage of that. If you feel like the the line has dropped substantially or the total has moved way up, but the team totals haven't adjusted to that same level, sometimes there's a market inefficiency there. But I, I don't really think too much of it relative to the spread and the total here. Hill, where are you? if you were putting the Josh Hill money on this, where are you going? Um, I'm lighting it on fire if I'm going off of any of my, if any of the track record I have of betting on the NFL this year, uh, I still have not forgiven the Bengals for, uh, screwing me out of my big parlay when they lost to the Jets. Uh, I'm not the only person that that happened to. Um, but look to the point about the, the Bengals have found ways to, to win these games in the playoffs. I think the Rams, even going back to the regular season have found ways to not lose these games. Like, look, they, they let the bucks come all the way back from 27 to three. They, to the point about that's been hammered into the ground about the interception, got bailed out by that. And you go back to week 18 when the 49ers snuck into the playoffs because they came back against the Rams. This, they're a volatile team. But I will say to Ben's point, Matthew Stafford, our NFL red zone king, the witching hour king, who every single time he was with the, the Lions, you would see the Lions on red zone in that fourth quarter because he was leading them back in some way. And I think that those years in Detroit, as bad as those teams were, really prepared him for this run because look at what he's done. He's been able to kind of stave off those mistakes that other quarterbacks might make because he's had so many practice runs of coming back with these two-minute drills and to kind of hang on to these leads or to grab a lead when he was in Detroit. This has prepared him for this moment. So I guess in a way you could even say that the Lions – Lions fans can take a little bit of this Super Bowl cake. Uh, also, because there there are no fans happier in the NFL right now than Lions <laughs> fans, because they are the Michael Scott thank you gif of we were right about Matthew Stafford. He was never the problem in Detroit. If you would have just put a good team around him, look at what happens the first time he gets that. But Ben, I want your opinion on this. I think the live bet is interesting to me. So if the Rams score first. I'm going to be really, really tempted to put some money on the Bengals because I feel like that number is going to shoot way up and there's some value. There's the same way when I wish I would have done this, but when the Chiefs won the coin toss in the AFC championship game, I wish I would have live bet the Bengals. Because, I mean, at this point in the season, 30 bucks is 30 bucks. Put that down, there's a lot of upside. But right. the live bet seems interesting to me here. I, I have a buddy of mine, my, my buddy Joe, who does radio over in Chicago, uh, with 13 seconds left in the Chiefs-Bills game got Kansas city to win outright. I think at 21 to one, put a hundred bucks on it. It's a nice little payday because he just said the algorithm doesn't get Pat Mahomes. I, I think it's a great super. I think it's been a great playoff. It's a live bet considering all the different comebacks that you've had and finding the right number. So yeah, in, in your scenario, 
let's say the Rams and Matthew Stafford march down the field, get an opening touchdown. They open it at, at minus four, right? So if they get a touchdown, it's probably going to be minus seven and a half, minus eight for Cincinnati. What a great line to be able to go ahead and if you're already on the Bengals anyway, go ahead and get them there. If you feel like they're coming back, they've been a second half team all year. So if the Rams get off to that nice lead, um, go ahead and, and try to middle that bet or go ahead and try and get a, a better line on Cincinnati. It's all dependent on kind of how you see the game playing out. But I, I'm kind of at the point where I'm, I'm probably going to take the under, might lean and put a little bit on the Rams. And then if they're down by about, you know, 14, 17 points, and I, I see that line go to maybe plus 10 and a half, plus 14 and a half for Cincinnati, knowing what they've seen, what they've done in the second half, I might go against my own narrative and say, there's value here for them to just get a touchdown and get back in this game and possibly change momentum. So I absolutely think live betting is in play. And yeah, WinBet's a great place for you guys to be able to go ahead and do it. WinBet.com. Uh, just re- recapping some of the chats that came in here. Uh, Hunter Armour, who I believe is a 49ers fan, if memory serves, uh, making an excellent point that San Francisco did beat the Bengals. If, if memory also serves for me in that game, since they had some terrible turnovers on special teams early in that game, but uh, it's true. If we're going to have an argument, Bengals versus uh, 49ers, San Francisco did win in Cincinnati in overtime earlier this Bears year. Bears also beat the Bengals in week two as well. But exactly. Yeah. They're, Water they're, under they're, the bridge. They're exactly the narrative, right. The narrative, too, because remember when the Vikings lost to the Bengals in the first week, what was the talking point after that? This is, this is such a terrible loss for the Vikings. How could they have done this? And the same thing with the Packers game. I can't believe they almost lost to the Bengals, this team. Look at that. Look at that. Should have known. Change. Should have jumped on that future right then and there. He blew it. Gentlemen, great show. Loved hanging out. Hill, phenomenal job stepping in for Vertoram. Ben, awesome to have you the whole time. At the end of the show, we tend to do what's going on in your life. Vertoram always has something going on. Uh, so, Hill, you just look like you took a deep breath and something major is going on over there. Am I not anything uh, that you want to tell the listeners? Tell me. Tell Tell Ben. Tell your family. I'm breathing in. I'm breathing in how much I'm enjoying life. Oh, you there know, we go. As much as you can enjoy life in Chicago in February when the average temperature drops below zero. So, but as we've established, I'm from Minnesota, so it's like maybe three degrees here today. It's like a borderline beach day for me. Like that's that's where I was going to do the show. Actually, just you know, post up next to Lake Michigan. <laughs> you guys can watch the ice behind me just go. I've been um, lovely. Missed out. Yeah, yeah. It's the ambiance. It's the Chicago in the winter. It's great. Uh, I, I I would just like everybody to know that um, in in this cold Chicago weather, I have decided to make my return to the rec league hoop court and um, under the picked off uh, brand. And uh, I don't know if you guys know this, but I have basically no cartilage left in my right big toe. I wear orthotics. Uh, it's it's unfortunate. It makes me feel older than 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 dirt. But I figured I would make the return, and everything was going spittingly well. Hit a three. Albeit off the backboard, uh, had a tip in all that, and then on the drive, just trying to you know have a little moment here, kicked right in the foot. I'll say it was accidentally right on that big toe. Down I fall, laying there, feeling again older than dirt, and getting up. Do I have to check out of the game? Can I stay in the game? Is this going to go away? Uh, you know, a week later, still feeling it. And uh, I'm going to I'm going to battle through the season, and and try to squeeze what's left out of the lemon here, uh, whatever last drops are there. But uh, there was a time in my life I don't even know uh, Ben and I have known each other for quite a while. I don't know if he ever saw me when I could actually play hoops, but at this point in my life I cannot play basketball, and it's it's uh, it's unfortunate. But I'm, but I'm but I'm out there giving out giving it everything I can. So. I feel better. I've, I've seen you hoop pretty good in the office on our uh, little Tyson. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Hoop that we are, right. little Tyson basket that we have. So. Actually, I haven't seen anything above, you know, your head. So I haven't seen that. <laughs> but I've seen some pretty epic performances from you on the kitty hoop. Uh, for the record, and this is unfair, but Verteram came out uh, one time and we played like lunch ball a couple of years back. I have never seen anyone that slow on the basketball court <laughs> in my life. <laughs> this dude, I mean, he could shoot it a little. And, and emphasis on a little, uh, but it was like, uh, yeah, this, this five on thing running up and down this, that's, this is not for you. Uh, that was the one time we did that. There, right. Well, I'll give the Vertoram and I played hoops one time 
And uh, there's this kid who came up to us. We were just shooting hoops. And he's like, hey, you guys want to play? And so we played a little, we grabbed some guy off the street, basically, to play some, you know, two on two. And Verderam and I, it was, if you were watching this, you would have thought that we were playing the 73 win Warriors, the way that we were just getting hustled. And this kid's like, oh man, I haven't played in like eight months. This is really kind of me dusting myself off to get back into it. And that was when me and Verderam retired from street hoops. That's when we were like, you know what, maybe we'll just stay rec league or we'll play on the kitty hoop in the office. But yeah, we got hustled by somebody who had not played basketball, supposedly, allegedly, had not played basketball in eight months, and we were the target practice. And boy, we were target practice that day. That was embarrassing. Uh, Five minutes in, I've never had that kind of a cardio workout. I, so, I love New York, Verderam, and Minnesota Hill battling it out two-on-two on, two on the Chicago streets. That's a beautiful thing right there. Uh, ben, anything on your mind that you want to get off your chest here or just have some fun with on the way out here? Are you good? I'm good. I, I think I'm at the, the tail end of whatever this is. So I'm excited for excited for a little bit of freedom and uh, hopefully feeling better and, and getting out of this room. Um, you, and then you go and, and take care of, of, of both my boys. Who, they've been feeling under the weather. So it's just when you have when you have little kids and people get sick, it's just a nightmare. And so you know what? Here's here's how I'm going to end today's show. I, I'm going to shout out my wife, who has been staying home with both of the boys uh, 11 months, a uh, little more than two and a half months, somehow surviving. She just got done with a with, uh, broken leg about three months ago and has had to be all on my own while I've been quarantined in this room. So shout out to Elena Heisler, uh, the goat, the goat of wives. <laughs> Hashtag Thank Elena. You. Hashtag way to go, mom. And Gonzo, you've been here the whole show. Thoughts on Brady not mentioning the Pats? Would you? I guess I mean maybe we put you to sleep in the middle of it. Uh, hey, he did it when he left. That was apparently. I, I do think it's a little bit of shade uh, myself, but you know, to, to, people are you know uh, are just cracking on Brady for the way he's going out here. My my focus is uh, yeah on the other things require my attention. Man, you're a I I, I would I. His family. Well, ben I, just I, talked about how important family is. Brady's talking about family. That's what. Uh, that's more important than football. It's all all comes like back a, to it. All comes trope. back to it. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. You, 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 marry Tom. I mean, I, I can't. It's fine. You're right. Family, kids, wife, go home. Clothing uh, line, crypto, clothing line, lot, 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 lot going on. <laughs> Great career, Tom. We'll miss you. Um, and I, there's probably at least 10% of football fans who are glad you're gone uh, at, at the same time. But uh, it, Brady, what what a run. And uh, even if you hated him, he's, he's going to be missed because it's great to have somebody to root against. Uh, I root for both of you guys. Thanks for being here, team. Good, uh, good checking out Stack in the Box. Hit that like on the YouTube. Subscribe so you will know when the show is, which is every Tuesday at 11 o'clock. 52 weeks out of the year. Football season, non-football season will be here. Verderam back next week, back from the Senior Bowl. See what he pulls uh, out of that experience. And, of course, we'll be uh, leading up to the Super Bowl. So we'll see you then. Enjoy the rest of your day. Thanks for watching Stack in the Box. Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member. For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details.